You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Ruvain um, tells Shimon something about Levi. Ruvain sees that Levi is eating from the Hashgacha of, let's say, the Vad of Chelm. And he thinks the Vad of Chelm, they don't know what they're doing, and they, they, they have bad Mashkichim, this is what he's heard. And he says to Shimon, you see Levi? I see him eating all those chocolate bars from the Vad Michelm, and I hear he's making a chasana and having the Vad of Chelm take care of it. But Shimon surprises him. Shimon says, Vad of Chelm? <laughs> you don't know, that's actually a very good Echsher. In fact, it's even better from the Vad of Yehupitz. It's a better Echsher. In fact, I want to tell you that the Rab Garfinkel and the Rab Yankalovich, they eat from the Vat of Hell. And that should show you. So, was there any Lush and Hara here? Well, clearly, the intent of Ruvain seems to have been to say Lush and Hara on Levi. That's for sure. Question is, what about Shimon's answer? Um, is Shimon's, should Shimon answer the way he does? So it's interesting, one of the Achreinim, he calls it the Shari Iyun here, I'm not sure who it is, says that it might, that could be Osir. Because Ruben's not going to be convinced that the Vada Chelm is good. If anything, well, he could start thinking, what, Garfinkel and, and Yankalovich, they eat? They eat too? Oh, they're also no good. So this is one of the situations where you have to be careful. On one hand, you might want to, you know... Obviously, it depends what type of person Ruvain is, but it could actually be Lashadara to try to defend the person because the person's not, especially when it comes to Hashgachos and things, many people are not convinced by what they hear. You know, they, they have a, a set um, mode of the way they think about this Hashgacha and you can't really change their mind. Despite you say, well, he eats from there and he eats from there. Um, now, um, the Chavetz Chaim writes, that even though we talked about donning with kapschus yesterday, how you have to don a personal kapschus, um, and even if you know it's for sure in an Aveira, if it's a Talmud Chocham, you have to assume he's done shuva. So let's say he's not necessarily a Talmud Chocham, Yudua, Mufursim, that he's always so good, but the Aveira that you saw he did was a long time ago. Now, there's a whole discussion among uh, sociologists about certain types of Aveiras of a certain nature, I'm going to take them off the table. They say certain Averis, you know, yeah, he did it once, he's not going to do it again. Um, that was the attitude people had, as you know, when it comes to dvarim that have to do with sexual predatory and things like that. I'm going to take that off the table. I'm going to say that's a, a, that's something it's very hard to change from. But let's say it's something that isn't like that. Um, something in a different area. Okay. Now, but it's been a long time since he did it. So, the Chavetz Chaim says, if it's been a long time, uh, and now you see he's acting better, so you can definitely not reveal any of that stuff anymore, because from what you see, it looks like he's all right. Now, the Chavetz Yoyer says clearly, that he, and the Chavetz Chaim quotes the Chavetz Yoyer, Rabbi Bachrach, one of the great poskim of Germany, that even if you didn't see him do tshuva, you didn't see him klap al chet, you didn't see him make up for whatever the avera was, 
but it's been Zman Rav. It's been a long time. You haven't seen anything negative. You have to assume that he's also about Shuvah, even if you don't know the whole process. So one of the questions that was raised was the following that they asked Rabbi Yoshev about. There was a, um, and again, a mashkiach in a, in a yeshiva, uh, that they had a trouble with a certain bocher. And maybe there was a question, you know, and for two and a half years, the kid was a big troublemaker. And now the kid turned it around. He's now better. And for the last half year, there hasn't been much negative about him. So now they want to ask, he wants to go to Yeshiva Gedola. Now the question is, does the Mashkiach have a right to say, well, watch out for him. You know, he was okay for the last uh, half year, but for two years and a half years, we had our biggest trouble with him. You never know. Now, I want to tell you, most teachers in this situation, most teachers in this situation would probably give you the whole story. They'd say, look, I need to tell. They're taking him into a new yeshiva. I need to explain stuff. But Rav Yoshev disagreed. Rav Yoshev said that if it's been a half a year and you see that he's okay, there's no reason to mention what he had done before. And that's something which people really need to know, that uh, they can't always assume that one act defines you, or even a couple of years of your life define you. Another interesting question that uh, uh, was asked in light of the Chafetz Chaim's understanding of what how, how careful you have to be about saying negative things, um, what would be if you say the following? Um, you talk about a person who, you know, he has quite a bit of money. His business is doing well. And you say, yeah, he learns. He has a star for three or four hours every day. So, again, this was from Eretz Yisrael. That would be a negative. Why? Because we know the business that he does is so uh, is so immense, he could, talk, he could learn much more. However, if somebody is, let's say, a uh, so someone who has a lot of money, and, and put it this way, and, and the money is flowing in, and you know that he can do it, so to say he has a seder for three or four hours might be Lashonara. However, if you talk about someone who isn't such a rich fellow, he's a person who has to work really, really hard, and you say yes, and he learns every night for three or four hours, of course, that's something that is a, a, a tremendous Maya to say. Uh, similarly, again, obviously, uh, uh, it depends who you are. So Lashon is again, sometimes the piece of information is, of course, always dependent upon who the person you're talking about that you're saying it. Similarly, sometimes the same statement can be different, uh, depending on who is saying it. We had in the Dafiomi yesterday um, that they wanted to ask, they asked the Shiloh by one of the Rabbon and Rav Masna, but he didn't know the, he didn't know. And they went to another Rav and the other one didn't know. So they once asked, uh, Rav Chaim Kanyevsky, um, as a Gesundheit, why does the Gemara have to tell us this whole story that he knew he didn't know and he didn't know? It doesn't, isn't that like saying something negative for no reason about those Rabbonim? Sir Chaim Kanievsky said, and again, what, what, can you imagine he's so modest? Look what he said. He said, he said, let's say I would ask the Chazanisha question. And it was a, a question in, in Birchas Hamose. A question about, 
do you have to say it over? What's a certain thing? And it had a number of complex details. And I would tell him, my uncle, that was his uncle, I don't know the psa, I don't know the din. And he would say back to me, hmm, I also don't know. So Chaim said, my I don't know is much different than my uncle, the great Chazanisha's I don't know. My I don't know is because I'm a ratzis. Can you imagine that he said this? It's because I don't know enough. I don't understand enough. And the Chazanish says he doesn't know. What does that mean? It means it's such a good question that you can't decide. That's when the Gemara says that if a person doesn't know, that means that the both possibilities were extremely, extremely strong. And therefore the person, not that he, he's, he was lost or confused, and he didn't, wasn't able to learn about it. So this is, tells you a little bit about Rafael Kanievsky. But sometimes one person's I don't know means something else. So speaking about the Chazonish, we know that the Gemara Brocha says that you should always say you don't know. You should always say, I don't know. Uh, so someone wants to ask the Chazonish, of course, if you don't know, say you don't know. Now, based on Rafael Kanievsky says, what you're saying is both sides have value. Kazanish sort of said it a little bit differently. He said that many times people come to you and they say, ask a question, and they feel, oh, I better say something. And they're not 100% sure, but they say, look, um, this is what it appears to me. I'm one of those people too, by the way. I'm going to try to stop doing that. Many times people call me up and they they need an answer. And I I won't say I'm going to look it up. I don't know. I'll try to say, well, it seems to me this probably is the one it's true. Chazal are telling you, don't do that. Don't do Asharis. If you don't really know it for sure, even though I always feel when I do it, I'm trying to help the person, give them some sense of things, but that's probably an excuse. None of us want to be in a situation where we look like, we, like, like we're dumb child. Chazal are telling you, sometimes do that. Don't, don't let the gaiva get the best of you little thing from the Chazanish. Similarly, um, Rav, um, Rav Steinman's uh, grandson through marriage once asked him, he said, he said, Saba, how could you write in, in one of your Hakdamas, uh, in, in one of your Sfarim, you wrote, I don't know anything. Look, you're, you're the Bala Yehoshashach, Rav Steinman. You, you've Sfarim on everything. You have Sfarim on Chumash and Sfarim on Shas, right? I understand you could say, uh, I, I, I could know more. What do you mean you don't know anything? How could you write that you know nothing? So, Steinman said, look, I'm not saying that what I've, I've done nothing in my life. But from what a person could know, from what a person is able to know, this is like nothing. And therefore, it's not just false modesty. Because the, the, the immensity of what Torah can be, it's taka any So that's a, a, a nice bit of musr and halacha about speech, uh, from Rav Steinman, Rav Yoshev, Chaim, Chaim Kanievsky. Let's now add some Hilchos, uh, Yomtev, which is what we're supposed to be doing in the Dirshu halacha. We know there is halachad that if someone dies, he should be buried. And 
it, the Pasuk actually mentions that, ki kovar tik berenu, on someone who was high of skila. But we know that this mitzvah, of course, applies to every person who passes away. And it's not even one, the, a complete mace. Even if you find parts of him, and Nebuchadnezzar, as you know, this is the Zaka, uh, what they do in Eretz Yisrael, after uh, Piguim and other things like that, and this is what they do on the battlefield. It's also part of the mitzvah of Kura's mace. Um, now, the let's say the following occurs. Let's say they buried a mess. And what happens afterwards is the water shifts, um, the, 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 there's, a, there's a tremendous rainfall, and what happens then is that part of the body, especially near to throw, they don't bury in a in a in a um, casket. Part of the body becomes revealed. So you could say, "I did burying. We buried him. We did the mitzvah of burying him. Kavar tikperenu. We put him in the ground." If that occurs, it means you still haven't fulfilled the mitzvah, and that means you have you you have you, you have a same chiyuv to go and cover the dirt, because it's not a din in, in brisker language. It's a it's a din in the gavra. It's not. I'm sorry. It's a din in the chefza. It's the din that the body needs to be buried. The body needs to be covered. Not that you have to do an act of burying. Also. Um, Based on this, you can have a goy on Yontif or even generally do the burial. Now you'd say, wait, that's a mitzvah on a Jew. Now you know, especially during Corona and other situations, Moshe, you've unfortunately been at funerals. I've been at some funerals, not many, but I, you know, I was at some funerals as well. And we know, I don't know if uh, uh, Richard, if you've uh, had the the horrible um, COVID of having to be in some during the Corona period, but here, especially during Corona, uh, there is uh, a kpeda on uh, from the health authorities for some reason that only the people who are um, uh, in, you know they, they let they let you put the um, the dirt on there in some way, but in terms of lowering the casket and things like that. Uh, they only want the, the the people working there. And maybe it's not about Corona. Maybe it's because of the um, the union. But I heard it was because of part of it was Corona as well. They wanted to keep as as as, as they wanted to um, make as small as possible the amount of people being involved close to the mace. So the question is: Are you makayim the mitzvah? A goy does it. It's a, it's a mitzvah on every Jew. It's a mitzvah on the family to get done. So, oh, the guy is my shliach. But the guy can't be a shliach for a mitzvah. So that's the chidush here. The chidush is, the mitzvah is not to do the act of bearing. If it's the mitzvah on you, on the gavra, to bury, so uh, you can't, you can't, a guy can't fulfill that mitzvah for you. But if the mitzvah is to make sure the body is buried, then any way he gets done, it can get done. So that's another difference between this and this Chakira. Something that comes out in the uh, in the in the Shulchan Aruch and the Sharetzion 
is a minig Yisrael of how to bury, uh, how to bury people. And of course, the minag for, for has, has long been to marry in linen garments. Um, and the reason is, is because only linen garments, because that makes a chakol kateger hofech l'saneger. That is a big schus for the niftar, and any negative gets turned into a positive. Also, of course, we know it's brought down of one of the things you're allowed to do on Yontif, on Yontif Sheini, um, is to have a, a nair be lit, even though normally we don't light a nair when it's not relevant to a living person. But we will allow a nair to be lit on Yontif for the mace for COVID. An interesting uh, minag that comes out of the learning in the Shulchan Aruch and the Mishnah Bura is that in the old days, there was a minig to put him into the ground carrying a makel. Eight, biyad ames. I'm not sure if any of you ever heard this before. Uh, it's an old minig that he gets buried holding a stick because the stick is a remez that he will stand up at chiyas amesim and be able to stand up from the ground and sort of, and that was a chizuk for everybody there. That that the person really would live. Um, now, he could hold the stick on Shabbos. What are you saying, Richard? He could hold the stick on Shabbos. Isn't that something you talked about the other day, carrying a stick on Shabbos? Oh yeah, we did. We, we, <laughs> talked, we talked about that about that whether that's a uh, zilzul and yontif or not. So I guess if the people that are involved in getting the mace ready for burial on Yontif, which, which was the halacha, then you could have a, a burial on the second day of Yontif and Yontif Sheni. So that, that, if this was the hanhaga, was to get a stick and to put the stick into the mace's hands, that was part of what was done. Um, some say, well, come on, that's such a weak remez. I mean, Maybe when a person happens, the person is going to be like Superman. He's not going to need a stick to stand up. Still, that was the Minag Yisrael. And for many, many years, they kept doing that Minag. Um, there are some Achronim that write that it doesn't seem correct to put it into the Mesa's hand. Um, the truth is, is because when you do that... Um, you, you, you have to actually um, bend the fingers around. And um, it seems like there was a tradition that there was a, a sakana for the people involved. This must sound like some, sounds like some sort of kolola on the person. If you allow the person's fingers to, to, you actually curl up the person's fingers. You want the person's fingers to be straight. So the minig can be niskayim by putting the Makel right next to the mace. Now, what things can't you do? Well, um, if it's, for example, a person dies and it's the first day of Yontif. So one thing you can't do is you can't, you can't, obviously, you can't dig the grave. You can't sew the shrouds. Now, those things, there's very little you can do. Now, if, if there's no goyim around, what is that going to mean? 
that's going to mean that you're going to have to wait in the burial, and the and the body will be left unburied for another day. But you need to do that. However, based on the Shulchan Aruch, you're allowed to ask a guy. And again, we don't do this anymore. The minig was to, it's not the way it is in the Shulchan Aruch, but in the Psak of the Shulchan Aruch and the way it was written in that time was they would ask a guy to do all the malachas. Now, what about, according to the Shulchan Aruch, can you heat up water for the tahara? Can you carry the mace? The Shulchan Aruch holds that that is mutter for Yisrael to do. Even though those are those are malachos that are not being done for ochel nefesh at all, but because of the din of mitoch that we talked about before, that once it's mutter, it's mutter for other things. Since it's one of the malachos you can do for ochel nefesh, and there's no din the rabbanon to be machmir for a mace. Remember, we saw that this was a question. We did a very long mishnah about this a couple of weeks ago. You might remember. Moshe, didn't, Moshe thought we were being Meirach a little bit too much in it, but that was the whole Mishnah Brura about what is the din of Mitoch? Is it a, is, is, is it a heter only, is it a heter even completely? Uh, Dvar that don't have a connection to Yontif or, or Asr Daraisa, or they're only Asr the Rabbanon. Shulchan Aruch seems to hold that it's only Asr the Rabbanon, and the Rabbanon do not impose their Isur when it has to do with a mace. So that's the reason why you could carry the body, and you can also heat up water. Um, other poskin disagree, and they say that Yisrael shouldn't do any malachos. Um, even if you want to say that the Isra, even according to the according to the Machaber, that it's only an Isra de Rabbanon, when you're heating up water for a mace, you should still only have a Goy do that. So, what should a Jew do? It says a Jew can be involved in, the, in, in something when the maze dies. So what he could do is get involved in Tatara, he could wash the body, as long as there's no malacha mamish being done. Again, you would say when you wash the body, you're squeezing stuff out and things like that. The Mishabura says, however, that if you're a Rav or a Pesach and you see people doing stuff um, in this area of the Hanhug of dealing with a mace, then you can don't have to stop them. You can be somach on the Shulchan Aruch in this case, and you don't have to make a big deal about it if that's being done. In general, you have Kedisha have their own minhagim, and it's it's wrong for someone to try to come into a place and try to uh, upset what the normal dinam of Chavre Kedisha are. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.